Hello and welcome. My name is Kirsty Rice and together with my co-host Nikki Moffat, we are the two fat expats. And when we say fat, we mean we've packed a lot into our expat lives. It's about fitting in as much as you can while you can and walking away with a full and overflowing bag of experiences. With six kids and 13 different countries between us, we've managed to navigate finding a new home, getting a new driver's license, working out how to pay the electricity bill or finding the school gate, yet another maternity ward or beating new colleagues at yet another workplace in a different country. Due to COVID, I'm currently grounded in Australia with my children while my husband is working away in Qatar, and Nikki is in Copenhagen with her family, which is where we find her today. Hello, Nikki Moffat. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Kirsty Rice. How are you? An exciting news for Australians everywhere this week. (laughs) Yes, very exciting. Um, So we we think that come November 1, the international borders will be opened in New South Wales. Um, And so this really just helps people in New South Wales because Currently, the borders are sort of shut between other states. I I think Victoria and and New South Wales are going to open up together um, in in the next little while, but we're still not sure about other states. But what it is is a promising sign, a very, very promising sign. Yes. As you know, I'm still always sceptical, but it is a promising sign. (laughs) I do know that. But what it does mean for those who um, were around for the interview that we did with Kelly, who had the daughter, in university in Melbourne and has family in New South Wales that she hasn't seen for two years, Um, it was a huge day for her because it now means that they can fly via Singapore. There's oodles of Singapore flights now. So many. Yeah, and, you know, they they can go back to sort of being able to see each other when they want to and also the other way around, that their daughter can now bring a friend and come and see them in Singapore. So it is life changing for them and hopefully as time goes on, it'll be life changing for all of us. Now, Nikki, before we get started, I want to ask you, because I keep meaning to do this each week and I'm sure that we have listeners that are very interested. So you were previously in Hamburg in Germany and you're now in Copenhagen in Denmark. And when you got to Denmark, it was like COVID just disappeared and you said, oh, I appear to be living in a post-COVID, inverted commas, world. Um, and we've had a lot of chats about the buffets and the shared drinks and the the kisses on cheeks and the shaking of hands and whatever. I wondered, how's it going? Because, of course, you know, we were both of us thinking, well, what is this going to look like in a couple of weeks? What does it look yeah, like for that, you? That can't possibly last for long. <laughs> now, I, I want to say when we first moved here in July, just to give at the end of July, just to give context, there are about a thousand cases a day. And we were still living in this environment where there was no masks, where there was a lot more testing, et cetera. Uh, school went back in August and the cases continued to go down because of our quite good vaccination rates for the over 12s. We're up in the high 80s for that in Denmark. Uh, and to be, the school is, we're now on school break. We've had a term of 10 weeks. And in my daughter's grade at school, which has 100 students, there has been no cases of COVID in the first 10 weeks, which wow. to me is mind-blowing Yeah, because comparing that to the school in Hamburg that we left, 
you know, every grade has had cases at, at various times and places, etc. And those kids are working with no restrictions, right? There are no masks at school. There are no bubbles. So last year we, we had a lot of bubble things going on, which means that each grade had a different entrance and exit to the school and they could only be with each other. They didn't move desks, so they're always in the same classroom, etc., etc. No, these kids go around the school. They move to different classrooms. They 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 you, Everything is open to them. They're doing PE. All Everything is, is happening. Uh, and we are currently experiencing, so we went down to about 300 cases a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, went on for a, a month or so. And then now we're, to- we're slowly um, edging up again. It's about 500 cases at the moment, five to 600 cases, depending on the seven day average. And next week or this coming week is the week that everyone in Denmark is flying off to somewhere else in Europe to get their last bit of sunshine mm-hmm. uh, before the winter. Yeah. And so everyone is watching with interest uh, what happens next. Mm. However, they have started an aggressive third shot program in the past couple of weeks and everyone who is over 84 or over 79, one of those age groups, are are first in line and if you've had more than six months since your last shot, then you're having your third shot straight away now. So they're now reporting on those numbers of the third shot. So they're trying to file everyone in in the same way in a pretty efficient system and honestly – I had to, we are actually traveling next week. And I said to my husband, what kind of masks should we have? (laughs) Will we have this kind of medical mask or this kind of medical mask? And he said, I have to wear a mask on the plane. I said, yes, that's why we went for the direct flight and not the stopover. (laughs) So we don't have to sit around in airports with masks on. And for him, it was so foreign to think that, wow, I'm, you know, we're going back to this. Like he's so far beyond the whole remembering about masks and uh, yeah, so it would be interesting in the in the weeks ahead how yeah. it's going to look. And so, where are you going? We're going to Mallorca. So we're Whoa. pretending we're still German because all the Germans go to Mallorca on on the regular. So we'll be able to read all the menus <laughs> because they're all in German. <laughs> so Nikki, we've talked about goodbyes before. We've talked about how you prepare yourself for, um, or how how to leave properly. I think is the yes, expression we've used. How to leave well and how to leave well. And we have talked about that in the past. But I wanted to ask you, what has been your hardest goodbye? And this came from me saying goodbye last Sunday to my little fella. And I I was fine at the actual goodbye thing. I actually remember seeing there were quite a few mums that were crying and thinking, oh, come on, you know, like <laughs> get yourself together, woman. Um, there, were, there were a few tears and there were people having these long, long hugs for minutes and minutes you know where it looked like they were sending their son to war and I sort of left and I was fine but then I progressively got worse and by the following morning I was sending a Marco Polo to my husband which is like a video message and I was doing the usual you know the council rate bill came in today so I'll pay that one now but I don't understand what this bill is for the house in Norwood and um, I caught up with such and such and they said this and then I said and I'm really missing Henry and I just burst into tears <laughs> just was shocking and it's that whole I can't ring him, I can't see him, I can't hear his voice, I can't do any of that. So it got me thinking about 
hard goodbyes and what have been my hardest goodbyes. And I thought, I want to know from Nikki, what, what have been yours? Well, I don't want to cry, but the hardest goodbye I've ever said was to my mum, mm. obviously. Yeah. That was kind of twofold because she, she left um, the States and I knew I was going to have to fly to Australia not long after her. So I made the American one very light, but that was obviously the hard. I think apart from that, if I'm talking from an expat perspective, mm. Um, and, and moving countries. I think the hardest goodbye was Hong Kong because it was our first country. We'd been there for six years. We loved, I loved it. Like I, I, I did not think I was going to like living there going in and I was totally shocked and surprised by how much I enjoyed it and loved it and, and a whole range of things. And so I think it was hard because, I mean, one of my children was born there, all my children's friends were there, all my friends were there in my mind. I was never going to be able to make new friends again. Like, <laughs> I just had this whole thing in my head. And I just remember violently just sobbing, mm-hmm. not even caring that the children saw me. You know, yeah. like it was just like it was not even, and they were little, like I should have been in the protection mode and they shouldn't see me cry and whatever. But I just remember sobbing and just being in this taxi with all these suitcases and just absolutely sobbing and all the people we lived in a sort of a an apartment complex and like being on the like footpath and waving and just, oh yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no very very hard I mean I'd had a whole series of goodbyes you know with people uh, whatever but just that last rolling out was just super hard super with- tough with hindsight and now being experienced, do you think there's a way you would have done it differently to have coped better if you had your time again? Well, I say that, but then I think about when I left America and I spent like a couple of days crying in my driveway from people coming to say goodbye as well. I would say that probably there is a way to do it better, but I... I always forget when I get there. It's like reinventing myself in a new country and presenting myself as a different person. <laughs> I start off with good intentions and then all of a sudden it's just me again. Oh, shit, I'm the Here same I person am. again. I wasn't meant <laughs> to do this. <laughs> but I think that's that's about it. You know, I, I'm a bit of a, you know, I'm quite emotional. I wear my heart on my sleeve and, you know, I, I think I, sometimes I think it also depends on the situation. So, I think there are ways to, to manage it and to mitigate it, but it just mm-hmm. depends on, on how you're leaving. I mean, I can't even imagine the people that left during COVID uh-huh. not seeing anyone, packing yeah. up their homes. Like I just, I, I can't even imagine how tough that was and how difficult it was. And, yeah. and they mightn't have cried because they didn't see people. I mean, to me, it's seeing the people. Like I don't walk around my house crying or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's people to me that I'm like, I, I won't see you again for a while or yeah. when will I see you again? I don't know. Mm. And, but, but the internal pain is very hard. Like, like you, you know, you, you talked about crying, talking to your husband, but the internal pain you're feeling is, is harder than the crying, you know, the crying yes. sort of gets it out for a little while yeah. and makes you feel better. But, but just the ache that you have internally yeah. So I think it's it's sort of two different things because you have this internal sadness. Yeah. You know, like every when you get in your car and you drive to somewhere for the last time, you think, oh, this is the last time I'm going to be doing this. You know, when I went oh, to the yes. supermarket in Germany, I was like, 
yeah, I'm moving to Copenhagen. And they're like, oh, well, we'll see you again. I was like, I don't really think so, but okay. You yes. know, like all those kind of things. It's just internal for you, the sadness and and the yeah. building up. There are ways I could have outwardly managed it better, but I think the internal sadness is always there mm. a little bit. Yeah, I don't I know agree. what do you think. My mother-in-law said something really profound the other day, and which she has a habit of doing. Nikki, you know, she you remember yes, she she's is very the, she is, and she I don't think she even realizes. And I do intend on um, writing about it because I just thought that's it. Anyway, she was talking to my husband, and um, you know, it's been really hard for him because he's separated from his yeah. entire family. He has to watch all these monumental things happen it's my eldest son's last week of school this week he's had to handwrite him a letter about you know being a man and him and that age and all these things and he knows he's going to miss all of these things oh this is a real teary podcast this one isn't it and um but it has been really really hard and then he's moved from the family home you know into an apartment and whatever so he was talking to his mother and you know he was um talking about you know, being in the apartment and, you know, getting that all organised and um, this sort of stage of our life and just getting through this stage. And she said to him, yep, that's the, that's the real difference between expat life and just living life at home in the burbs. Your book has a lot more chapters. So your chapters are far more um, precise and this is just one chapter and this chapter will close and you will start this next chapter when Kirsty gets back and you'll start the new chapter. So you've just got to get through this chapter, close it, and then the next one comes. But that's what expat life is. You know, you wouldn't have half as many chapters if you were just at home and the kids were walking down to the local school and you were living and working in the same city forever. And it's so simple but it's so true. Yes. It's, it's just a chapter. But I think that's the thing with these moves is we know it's the end of that chapter. We know we're not coming back. It will never be the same. It will never, it'll, it'll never exist again. Do you know it is yeah. just that period of time? It's mm. why I say I could never live in Hong Kong again, even though I really loved it at the mm -hmm. time. I just don't think you can go back mm. for me. I yes. know other people have, and one day if I do, great. You can call everyone can call me out on it. But <laughs> it's just emotionally that I don't think that I could, yes. I could do it again. Yeah. All Pardon right. So Kirsty, my question to you is <laughs> so I'll give you the background. So yesterday we were we were riding, my husband and I, every Saturday morning we spend time together. Sometimes we just go to the local cafe and have breakfast on yesterday we went uh it was a nice it was sunny day that was deceptive because it was uh <laughs> was, was windy i'm i'm sensing a theme for copenhagen <laughs> anyway he said why don't we go for a ride before breakfast and whatever so we we rode down so the ride we went on was to to a market a few suburbs away where he could get his favorite coffee so the coffee he normally gets on weekends isn't his favorite so he right. went, went to the favorite coffee anyway so we rode over there and we knew the way, so that was fine. And then afterwards I said, oh, we're halfway here to this place I want to go to. It's, it's a kiwi pie shop, so I want to stock up on some oh, pies. Yes, I did see that on, and whatever. on yeah. Instagram, yes. Yum. So I said, let's just go there because we're halfway there. And so um, we, looked, we looked at our phones and whatever. Anyway, 
everyone in Denmark <laughs> has a phone holder on their bike because yeah. obviously you need to know where to go and most of the transportation is by bike. And we didn't. So we were pulling over every sort of three minutes to check that we're driving, riding down the right street or whatever. Anyway, uh-huh. he said, let's find a bike shop. This is this sucks. Let's find a bike shop. So we found a bike shop, and it had. And he tried to walk in the door, and it had a sign back in ten minutes. He's like, "Okay, we're waiting." So, right. so we waited. We waited about six minutes. This guy ran back. Anyway, my I said, "I'll mind the bikes," because obviously, but there's a lot of bikes. There's a lot of people stealing bikes. So I was uh-huh. like, "You don't have to lock it. Like, run in and get the phone holders," because we could see them through the window that they had them. Anyway, he came out with these enormous, big sort of. I've had phone holders in other countries and you just like you, your phone has a case and you just put put it in. Like in yeah. Germany they have them on the scooters and just they slide out and you just pot your phone in whatever. And you know, the ones in Denmark come with these very big weatherproof, I'll show you, they're like super, oh. like and they roll out and I'm showing Kirsty something now that's very thick and big and they have no holes, like you can't poke, you can't charge your phone or anything while oh. it's in here. It's like oh. super because it needs to be protected from the weather Weather. yes (laughs) which is often rain and how do you attach it to your bike well it just you attach a little um connector to your bike and then it goes in here and it sort of slides on right got it and that's how that works so anyway and it goes over your own case and whatever so he comes out and we put them on our bikes and and like it's life-changing because if you don't have to stop every two minutes The Google Maps just keeps going. Anyway, uh, we were we were doing that, and and I thought, you know, it's just something that's very specific to this country we've lived in. I'm sure they have them in other countries. I'm sure yeah. whatever the Netherlands also lots of bikes. Yeah. I'm sure they have similar things. But I'm just like, we never would have had this in another country. You know, this, this, mm-hmm. we never would have said we're going to wait ten minutes for the shop to open and we're going to do that. So I was just thinking about what are things that you've had in other countries that uh, where you've lived that that aren't that are 100% necessary. This is 100% necessary for us, but they're run of the mill and everyone has one. Everyone's like, yeah, well, I can't believe you didn't have one before now. Uh, but you haven't really needed them elsewhere. So yes. it just made me start, start to think about that yeah. kind, of, kind of setup. So that that's what I've got. So what about you, Kirsty? What have you got? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of things like that. And it's that whole thing, isn't it, when you move to a country and you realise you are helplessly ill-prepared for all the circumstances. No matter the research, no matter the research. Can I just ask on that, having not lived in a bike-crazy city, how does that work with um, headphones? Are you allowed to, because I'm imagining if, if bike riding has almost replaced car riding, are there the same rules? Because, you know, you can't have your phone on display in a car where you're looking at the Google Maps, you know, and you're pressing the buttons and whatever. And you can't wear headphones, say, in the car because you've got to listen. So how does that work for the bike? Are you allowed to wear headphones? Are you allowed to? How much are you allowed to interact with your phone? Mm, yeah, so I don't the, – the answer is I don't 100% know the, the rules. Mm-hmm. There are lots of people who ride around with headphones. I believe that headphones are illegal uh-huh. to have like a double set of headphones. Yeah. A lot of people ride around talking with one ear, AirPod or EarPod in. Yeah. Um, and that's and, – and, and also if you have Google Maps, you can have one EarPod in and the, the map will tell you in 400 metres, you know, like – Yes, so, that's what I was thinking. And, and yeah, so so even if you can't see the phone, it's, but it's obviously easier to see the phone as well because you have more of a, an understanding yes. of, of – it's a double it's a double thing. 
But my understanding is, yeah, you definitely can't hold your phone. You can be pulled over for not holding for holding your phone and and given a ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not meant to have headphones. And I can research the rules a little bit further for next time because I'm sure there's people yelling saying, "No, that's not right." <laughs> And I bow down to people that have lived here longer and, and know the exact rules. Okay. But, so yeah, that's where we're going. Some of the things I thought about was obviously we moved to Canada and we needed to have snow everything. And we had no idea that there was even a term called winterizing. You know, you winterize everything in prepare for yep. the ice and snow. I, Winter tires? Change yes, your tires on your car? You change your tires. I didn't know anything about that till I moved to Europe. Yeah. No, me neither. And that is why I ran straight up the back of someone on the first icy morning we had because the car just didn't stop it just kept rolling and poof. and the woman in front of me she she told me that she could tell that I was going to do that because I was not paying attention to the conditions so yes so there was a lot of that in Canada where we just didn't understand what it's like to live somewhere where it can be minus 30 and mm. I can remember one of our friends he used to ride he was Canadian and he used to ride in to work on his push bike and um, we had, you know, babies the same age and the wife was telling me, you know, that that coffee house she'd had to quickly jump in the car and race to where he was, where he'd had a flat tyre to collect him and get him into the car. And um, the the whole nervousness and the you know, the rush was because he would have died if he'd been out there exposed for too long. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Canada's the only place I've been, I've lived where they put an announcement when I was there in the 80s, they put an announcement over the radio, you know, small children and old people shouldn't go outside today. (laughs) Yes, people might not realise Because they're the ones that are likely to sit down for no reason and then it's all too late. And there's all these terrible stories of, you know, Old people or drunk people arriving home and dropping their key, like they've gone to get their key in the yeah. door and they've dropped it and then they've lost their ba- and they've been exposed and died. Yeah, small children, mm. yeah, the whole thing. So, yeah, that was all a new thing. Um, in Libya, everyone had a picture of Gaddafi. Uh, so we had a picture of Gaddafi in our in, in our home. yard, in, yeah, in our home. Um, oh, in your yard or in your home? Uh, well, I reckon we may have even had both, and we still have that picture of Gaddafi. It's in our house in Norwood. The girls have got it up on the <laughs> up on the wall. <laughs> um, uh, we in. Jakarta, there were a lot of dual language cookbooks because people had staff and they wanted their, yes, they wanted their staff. Nikki's giving me one of those, oh, my goodness, looks, yep. And it's true. I remember thinking, why do they have these, you know, 100 cookie recipes and, you know, by the American Women's Association and one side's in English and one side's in Bahasa. And um, that is because you can take it home and hand it to your staff member and then all of a sudden they can, you know, follow everything. Make the cookies. And make the cookies. <laughs> so that that kind of struck me. Um, so, yeah, lots, lots of things like that. But it's it's that whole weather conditions and just being somewhere so very foreign to um, you know, and this, Nikki, is obviously we could go right down the down a different track to, to for cultural reasons and you yes. know different things. But yeah, for those little obvious ones, yeah, they would be mine. Okay, Nikki, our bold statements of the week. 
I have been very happy with the whole 45 minutes a day. I'm up to photo number 25 of 30, I think it was today. I know. I'm loving your photos. Fantastic. Thank you. And I'm finding the two litres of water is working and the vitamins. I went and bought one of those Webster packs, you know, where you can put all your pills in. I put all my vitamin pills in my Webster pack. Um, The one that I'm probably not doing is the counting your blessings in the form of writing. So what I've been trying to do is write little tiny longer bits on my posts for my Instagram post and then because I think, Nikki, what I have loved with you and I when we've been going through this process of things we think we might do or say we might do or whatever is I'm realising the older we get, the kinder we are to ourselves about these things. To us. Yeah. Right. Like I've noticed that you will say, well, I didn't actually get there but I made the appointment so at least, you know, that's a win. Um, <clears throat> and I think we, I think I'm there with you in the, okay, so maybe I didn't do that, but it doesn't mean write it out. doesn't mean you didn't do it so it doesn't happen. It just means you're working your way. So when I started with the intermittent fasting, I have to say I did find the first few days hardcore. I was hungry at 10 o'clock and I wanted to still be, you know, it's hard now we've got daylight savings here too to just shut it down at 8 o'clock because, yeah, yeah, and especially when you have children that don't arrive home until, you know, five minutes to 8 and, uh, yeah, you want to eat. So I, I think I have been kinder in that way of, well, you're really, really close. Doesn't mean you give up and you don't do it, but I am, I am really enjoying the, the 10 things of the just one thing. How about you? Well, I, yes, I said that I was going to change something. I never thought I could count my blessings, even in the form of writing or in my head. So <laughs> I was, I, my substitutes that I've been putting in. So I loved the one, the episode this week was Think Yourself Stronger. I so there's actual, yes, I there's want to actual listen. evidence that you can think yourself through things. Wow. And actually that makes a difference. So. I'm a big fan of that now, lots of visualisation. The cold shower and exercise less more often. So I've been – so when I was trying to do the 10K walk, like you've got to put two hours of your day aside, you know, for you're in and you're out and you're up and you're down and then you mightn't have a chunk for that. So I've tried to sort of just be a little bit more flexible in that. And also I said to you, geez, going from zero to 50 squats a day is pretty (laughs) – I also have reduced my number, but I've found as the days go on I can actually do a few more at a time. So I'm like I'll do 15 now and then I'm like actually no, I'll do 20 now because I I can do it without – coming to the end of my strength at this moment (laughs) but um what I want to say was when we posted last week someone said oh I'm going to do that too and and can you tell me the link to the whatever so I was just wondering while we're listening uh, while people are listening along with us if they have their own bold statements about what they're going to do in the week ahead yeah feel free to send us a message and let us know and it doesn't have to be 10, 50 days of 10 things. It could just be anything yes, that, you, I love it. that you've decided to do, one bold statement for the next week. We'd love you to send us a speak pipe, which is a message from our website or any kind of message. Yep. Um, you can also send a verbal message on um, uh, Facebook. What is that called? Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook um, or send us in, in an email to our two fat expats at gmail.com. We just, we'd love to hear if you've got a bold statement yeah, that's would. been inspired by not inspired by us, but just just thinking about doing something in the coming week and send us your message. Let us know what you think. Yes. 
No. Three favourite things, Kirsty. So I've loved the podcast Life Changing by Jane Garvey. So we, you and I, Nikki, both listen to Jane Garvey with Fee on um, Fortunately. Fortunately. With, with Fee and Jane. Well, Jane's got one called Life Changing and it's a, a different story each week by people who have been through a life-changing experience. So... Uh, I think the first one I listened to was Grace Spence and she had been hit by a falling man. So she'd basically gone to a shopping centre. It was Westfield, um, you know, huge, big, massive UK shopping centre. Walked out, was walking along and she can't remember anything else. And a man had, had jumped. It, it turns out he was jumping, not falling. But oh, he, my goodness. Yeah, he jumped. He fell on her. Um and she is now paraplegic. And it was a really wonderful story to sort of um, to sort of see her mindset about it. She was a doctor, and I don't know whether that makes a difference, but it was a real insight to how you feel about the person that does that to you. And if you feel about the person who does that to you, um, and what should happen to that person who does that to you, but also what happened with her role. And she talks a lot about what it's like to be a disabled person in a chair and the things she doesn't like and the things she does like with how people treat her. And I thought it was quite an insight. She really absolutely hates it when people push her chair for her. Um, yeah. And um, it, it was, look, it was just really interesting. And they, what I like about um, the way Jane does these interviews is she doesn't, she doesn't get you to what the big thing is right at the beginning. You kind of ease your way there and then make your way there. So that was the other one. And then there was a, a guy called Tom O'Reilly who had one of those horrendous gambling habits. And that was absolutely incredible to sort of see how it ruled his life and how far he would let it go and just that desperation for wanting to get the money back, get the money back. And what I found really interesting is he did get the money back a couple of times, like hundreds right. and thousands of dollars he won back only to then to, lose yeah, it again. Yeah, he didn't stop though. Yes, <laughs> yes. It is really, really interesting and it was all from – being with a mate at the pub and someone said, you know, he'd had no sign of this before and someone said, let's have a bet on whether, you know, such and such is going to win and he saw that you could get extra odds if you picked who was going to, you know, kick the goal and he picked it and so he decided that he was really good at it, that he was, you know, very clever and, um, you know, I think he won 45 pounds or something, but then that set him off on this tangent to eventually you've got your laptop open while you're driving along on the street, placing bets as you're driving. Mm. Because, and you will bet on anything, absolutely anything. So, yeah, thought that was great. Um, Nikki, the other one that I love, and my sister put me onto this one, and she has been trying to tell me for ages because we'll talk about a certain word or a certain phrase and she'll say, well, Rolly would tell you, and Rolly <laughs> is Rolly Sussex who has a show on the ABC in out of Queensland and the show is called A Word in Your Ear and it's every week it's about different expressions, different spellings, different sayings, where things came from. And I guess it came to me 
this week because I said to my husband as I was walking along the cliff with hair blown everywhere and in desperate need of a shower, I'm going to go, have to go home and have a shower because I look like the wreck of the Hesperus. And my husband said, what? And it's an expression that my mum uses all the time. I've obviously stopped using it in my travels. You know how we stop using those yes, phrases? Yes, you stop we... using the phrases that people won't understand. Yes. So I obviously stopped, but I'm now back in Australia and I must have heard it a few times <laughs> and it's back. Yeah. So the record of the Hesperus, I thought, oh, I better go and look up why I do say that. Um, uh, the Hesperus was a ship and it got wrecked and then that isn't sort of how it came to uh, be a common phrase but it I think it was in the 1700s it was a Scottish ship and then someone wrote a poem about it in the 1850s yes, yes. and that became the wreck of the Hesperus um, but what I love about Rolly Sussex is one of the episodes is on the American influences on the way we speak they call them americanisms and um i had thought oh this is going to be one of those episodes where people get really down and out about you know americans not speaking true english and whatever it was quite the opposite it showed you how clever the americans were with some of the ways that they had changed things and why they had changed things so he was saying that the you know the big one for us nikki is the way we spell color versus the American mm. colour. So the American colour has no U in it, just C-O-L-O-R. And evidently the Victorian Education Department decided a little while ago that they were going to accept colour in the Australian school system and there was an absolute uproar, which I can well and truly imagine it would have that would have done my <laughs> mum's head in. She would have said, what? That's not how we do it. But the reason the Americans do spell colour like they do is so the Johnson's Dictionary, 1755, they colour was spelt C-O-L-O-U-R. The reason we as have, it should be as it should be. <laughs> the reason we have that is from the French, who of course have an E-U-R on the end of everything that yes. they do. Yes. But what is weird about the way we spell colour with the O-U-R is when we spell humour, it has the U in it. But then mm -hmm. humorous, we drop the U. When we spell vigor, it has the U in it. But vigorous, we drop the U. So when Mr. Webster came along in 1828 selling 60 million copies of his dictionary, think about that, 60 million copies of your dictionary in 1828. In 1828. Yeah. That's huge, yeah. isn't it? But he yeah, came that's along in the world. and he <laughs> said, this is crazy. Why do we spell humor with the U and humorous without it? Let's just get rid of the U. We're making it harder than it actually is. So he got rid of it. And the Americans said, you're right, that is silly. So, and the other one, because I always get it in travel, you know, Americans spell travel with one L, we spell yeah. it with two. I never know how to do it anymore. I, I just so I don't know. So how it is is we double up after those consonants. So we like a double L after an ED and an ER and the Americans don't. And that, that's the main difference. Anyway, it's I, I won't go on and on because I could. And as you can see in our running sheet, Nikki, I've got about 100 of them. <laughs> There's a lot of examples. So I'm not, I won't go on, but I just, it is, 
I think is about 20 minutes because it's him coming in and doing a live show each week. Uh, it, it, to me, it reminds me of Carl, Dr. Carl Krasnitsky, who does the science show and you learn all the different science shows. Yep. This guy comes in and does the words. And it's interesting because it's out of Queensland. Um, it's not out of Sydney or Victoria or, you know, where it's, 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 I've really enjoyed it. Um, and then, the last one was an article I read in the Washington Post called Florida Unvaccinated Man Meets Doctor in a Bar. And I just thought it was um, a beautiful story about a man who was uh, vaccine hesitant and he met a doctor in a bar who's a, a doctor of, uh, that is his field of epidemiology. And he just fired a hundred questions at this guy saying, yeah, but why, but why, but why, but why? And the doctor was able to answer them. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll have the vaccine if you do it. And they went to his office and he, he did it. And it's, mm. it's just a really lovely story about, I don't know, um, listening and being open and yeah being open to people so yeah Yeah. so they both had to be open to yes the other person's viewpoint and that's that's the argument so much right that when you meet people face to face you don't say all the hateful horrible things that you say online when you don't there's no when it's faceless yes even if you use your own name like you have to be more especially if you met a bar a guy in a bar or you know anyway you both like the same sports teams or you're both drinking the same beer or you both have the same opinion about something else yeah and it allows you to think well they're a real person so let's have a real conversation be kind yeah Yep. Yeah. 100%. Okay, Nikki, what are your three favourite things for the week? Okay, well, Kirsty, once again, you know, it's the season for new TV, so I'm here for you. I'm here for you, <laughs> Federati, in in talking you through what's going on. Now, there is a new series. I watched two episodes this week because there's only two episodes out. It's called Guilty Party. Uh, Kate Beckinsdale is the, is the lead and the other actress, I don't know her name. I'm really sorry. It, it's a, called a dramedy, which is I, – I did look it up because I was like, is it a dramedy? Really? It seems very dramatic and it's meant to be a dark comedy with drama. I'd say it's a drama with dark comedy, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, Kate Beckinsdale is a disgraced, serious, award-winning journalist and she's looking for redemption. She she won a big award and she was fired on the night that she won the award. Uh-huh. She claims she was set up and we don't really know whether that's the case yet. We're sort of un, un you know, we're undergoing yeah. it. Um, I tried to not compare it to Mayor of Easttown because it's another English actress playing an American Ah, you know, in a role. Yes, yes. And in my head I just kept a little bit referring back and it took me and then I was thinking, oh, this is not very good because the whole first episode I was like, oh, no, 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 no. But then by the second episode I I had let that go. I was able to sort Mm -hmm. of get past my internal biases, which is really interesting and I can talk about that next week, but I had just done internal bias training at at school because Uh, I was helping recruit for the um, new head of school. So it was very interesting to consider while I was watching this TV show that I was I was using my own internal biases to judge the tv show uh anyway it's it's got basically she gets a letter from somebody um who says they're in jail and they for killing their husband and they're not meant to be you know they're innocent and she's the only journalist that can help her which you can imagine where that goes in the in the comedy side of things, the dark comedy. Um, she now, since she's got fired, she's working at this sort of Gen Z news site, and her boss sort of sort of throws back every story at her. And she tries to picture this story about the the uh, the inmate. She said, 
the inmate itself is is a um a black american and she said well it sounds a little bit like a white savior complex story to me you know i don't think you can, we can run with that <laughs> and really it is like the, the review went into the fact that yes she's meant to be a stupid you know gen z doesn't understand news whatever the complex situation prefers to think about harry potter but in fact it actually is also that as well so there is sort of that's the dark comedy side. Like there mm-hmm. is truth in the dark comedy of it. Anyway, Guilty Party, if anyone wants to watch. The other one is on Netflix. It's Chestnut Man. Now it's set in Copenhagen. So I was quite interested. Ooh. It threw it up to me every time I logged in. And I thought, oh, my Netflix knows where I am. <laughs> um, of course, it's another Scandi Noir series. It's a murder mystery. Six episodes. It's much lighter than Squid Game, which we discussed last week, uh, but it is still, it's a murder mystery and, it you know, the, the Scandi ones are a little bit darker, usually a little bit more gruesome and gory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another, you know, it's in Danish and so it has the subtitles, so it's another one where you have to sort of sit and watch, mm-hmm. which I quite like. But I also like listening to the Danish. I don't understand a word they're saying, but it's sort of helping me <laughs> yeah, understand yeah. Yeah. the sounds that I'm meant to be hearing. Yeah. So that's my second one, Chestnut Man. It's actually quite it's in the top ten in Denmark. I don't know where it sits in anywhere else in the world. I don't know whether you've seen it in the top ten where you I have are. It, but but anyway. I'm fasting now to go and have a look at my Netflix and see if it shows up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the third one, Kirsty, which I know that you've also listened to. Yes. So one of our um, a podcast that we listen to, um, we listen to LDC, which is Eliza Harvey and, and her mother Geraldine. She has done a new podcast. Um, and it's called Reunion the Podcast. It's And it's 20 years after school. The school reunion this year was cancelled because of COVID. So what did they do? So how to catch up with people? They did a podcast instead. So it's a girls' school in Sydney, 20 years on. I went to a girls' school in Sydney, not the same one, but it, it – I you know, it gave me a little bit of interest, piqued my interest in the podcast. And they asked sort of questions like, what did school mean to you? What did school give you? What did it set you up for? And how is your life different? Do you thought how it would happen when you left school? And I'm pretty sure pretty much everyone thinks their life is different than when they thought yes. they left school. Um, and how did you see the world then and now? And I think that, and they're the sort of main questions we've got two hosts. And, you know, it really shouldn't be interesting for anybody who didn't go to that school in that year to me like I was thinking it sounds pretty niche to me you know in that when I heard about it but I but I do enjoy listening to Eliza so I thought I'm going to listen to the podcast Mm. and I did and I couldn't stop listening Mm. I listened to all the episodes that are out already because what it I don't know I just think for example, it made me think about schools that my kids are going to and if they're going to be able to ever have a 20-year reunion and mm-hmm. probably not is the answer. Yet this in this podcast, one of the first interviews was with someone, a schoolmate who now lives in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that's the same kind of thing in a way that, you know, not our kids will really, go to schools. Not really, though, because you, you're going on. They had all been at this school from, you know, some of them, yeah, yes. we should just say no, there's no, only three. Sure. There's only three interviews out so far. Yeah. So it was long term, and they all lived in the same sort of you know same area. area. Yes. I, I I hope they do some borders. That's what I'm thinking because <laughs> I went to girls' school in Sydney as a border. I'm like, oh, I hope they do a border soon. Yeah. So I can listen to the, the difference. At, what a borders? Because at our school, the borders and the day girls saw life very differently. I think. Yes. School yes. life. Yes. Etc. So very. Yep. I'm really interested in that. But I found myself really drawn into it. Like everyone can relate to the idea that when they're at school, they saw the world differently. That when they're at school, things 
have stuck with them since they were at school. Yes. You know, that, that still impact their life. Not, not every day, but if they sit down and think about it, there's still things that upset them or worry them or, you know, uh, things that happened at school. And and I just, and this just sucked me in, Kirsty. And I, I, I got, and you and I had a quick chat before and you said, stop talking because we'll talk about it in the podcast. <laughs> because I just think that, you know, I just became totally fascinated by all these women I don't know. And I just wanted to hear all about them. Yeah, look, me too. I have loved it. I've really, really loved it. I, I've found it really refreshing that nobody is apologising for their privilege um, because these women are all incredibly yes. privileged. This is yes. a really expensive, um, you know, mm. all-girls school in Sydney with a beautiful view and a and a beautiful way to go to school with teachers that are all invested in them. And, um, you know, it, it sounds really quite idyllic. And, and Nikki, you and I both went to schools like that where yeah. we were with other young women in city schools with borders where people were really invested. And, and I can identify with so much of what they say when they talk about the feminism that comes out of those schools because it really is girl power and it was girl power way before its time. I mean, the women that went to my school in the 1900s were strong feminists as well. It's an interesting thing, isn't it, when you get all yeah. girls at a school. But I was also fascinated that they're all so, so far, because we're only, you know, three episodes in, so appreciative of their education. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It really comes through that they are so thankful for their education. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I find it very interesting so far and that's why I'm hoping and I, f I feel that maybe they've started with people that they knew and could could whatever. I'll be interested to as, the, as it goes on. I don't know how many episodes they're going to do. They said there's a hundred and something girls. I'm sure they're not going to do every girl, but uh -huh. I, or woman. I'm sure that there will oh, sorry, be people. But that that's have that's the thing, actually, Nikki, that I want to point out is they call each other girls all the way through it. They don't often talk about women. They'd say, "Oh, she was a girl who did this, or that was a girl who did that, or she's another girl that did that." <laughs> it's like they too have returned back to the yeah. classroom. Yeah. I just think it's a great idea for like I, I, I thought because you know that everyone I, I think everyone should have a podcast about everything because someone will find it interesting mm -hmm. and I I really think this is a great idea and it's a great you know and COVID has has made it you know if they all went I mean I didn't go to my 20 year school reunion which was uh, some time ago I mean mm -hmm. I'm thinking our next school reunion's going to be 20 30 I'm past 30 now so I don't know it's a mm -hmm. 40 years goodness me mm -hmm. and so. I'm just past 30 now, people, just past 30, but still. But it's a long way to 40. Do you do a 35 when you get to our age? I don't know. But I'm thinking I would love that. I would love yes. like when we couldn't have a school reunion a couple of years or when there was a school reunion a couple of years ago. So I think when our 30 school reunion was, they set up a Facebook group and they put loads of people in and loads of people I hadn't heard from since school or seen on social media popped in there. And now I'm friends with a couple of them. Um, but it was such an interesting Yes. Thing to see all these girls and, and the past and whatever and I, and I got out one of my old books like when we left school and I read through a whole lot of stuff and it just made me think about the different person I was at school to now and, yes. and, and how you'd be 
surprised by what some people did and how you'd be so unsurprised by other people. Like yes. I, that, that's the thing that, that interests me and that, that nobody has a, like a direct life. Like no one's life goes in a straight line up or down or whatever. Yeah. Like it is, life is changeable. There are chapters. Some yes. chapters end on a high and some chapters end on a low. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that, that that sort of all sort of ties in together and I just found it really fascinating to listen to and I'm, mm. and I'm really, really enjoying it. Yeah. And I, it might not be for anybody else, but you and I, have, as we just said, both went to private schools, both went to girls' single-sex schools and, mm-hmm. and you know, we, so we have some some commonality with these mm. women who are a little bit younger than us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was a very small world when you hear one of the girls go, I went out with PJ from Aloes and they all go, oh, yeah. <laughs> and no one said, well, Aloes is actually St. Aloes yeah, or whatever. Yeah, like, nobody yeah. said that. Everyone just like, oh, Aloes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's like it's a conversation that nobody else is meant to understand. Yes. It, but it see, is, we do like, have, we have a Loretto in Adelaide and we have a St. Aloysius in Adelaide as well. <laughs> they're all called the same things. They're all the same. Uh, no, I shouldn't say they're all the same. But, but what I, I wanted to clarify when I was saying that there's no apology for privilege is that in Australia at the moment, there once a week there's a school, there is an article in the newspaper about, and they always use the same phrase about private schools. It's always um, elite, elite. Yeah, it's always an elite private school person did this, and and they could be five years out of school, and it's you know such and such who went to an elite private school, they did this, and so I think people do get very cagey about talking about where they went to school or how they went to school, more so than I, that's one thing I have really noticed um, about coming home, right, is that there, there is a real haves and haves not in that department and there's significant anger of of some people that are very pro-public school that feel very angry with the government that they still give private schools money and that, you know, there is that elitism that comes with well i would say that it totally is like there's a total old boys and old girls network operating in australia and when in the u.s someone says where do you go to where did you go to school they mean university yes and they want to know what university you went to when someone in australia says where do you go to school they mean what high school you went to. yes and they will australians will have an association with you often based on knowing that yes and i think it's it's not it's not great i mean i was yeah, I mean, I didn't understand that when I was at school. No. It's taken me a lot of years to understand that whole process. But I remember once I put a post up on Facebook about something. I think it was about my son, about how he might go back to Australia. And and then someone wrote, don't worry, we've got him. You know, you've got a big network and, and we've got him. You know, we'll be able to, you know, mm-hmm. if you're not here, we can take care of him. And that has never struck me that that's my network my my network right. you know like it's just I, I don't think of it that way because I'm not there but I do know I mean yeah um you know that it can be a very close and sort of cloistered kind of environment if if people yeah you know sign yeah. up to that side so what what how I admired the podcast for this is that they have just not apologized for it and yeah you know they've they've said that they were 
it was a really pretty place to go to school and it was lovely and whatever. But the fact that they are so appreciative for their education and I just think well done for them for doing it. What is also wonderful, I think, is that it's just all about women, these amazing women that have all gone off and done whatever and that you're going to see a vast array and that we've already, you know, within three episodes covered divorce and um, domestic violence and... um, uh, people that have gone to live in the country or um, I love yep. that someone had married someone's brother, uh, yeah. you know, within the talk <laughs> to show because, I mean, that that is what school and those friendships are like when you've all known each other forever, isn't it? You know, you do, your groups do end up all intertwined. But I too, Nikki, I've really, really enjoyed it. I'd highly recommend it to people. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you do have to be Australian. Maybe you have to identify to have gone to one of those schools. But also maybe if you didn't go to one of those schools, maybe this is a window to have yeah. a look. Um, oh. Yeah, because I'm certainly looking at it from one point of view, again, considering my internal biases. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I've loved it and I can't wait to listen to more. And um, I, like you said, the thing I love about it is I think they actually say, I'd need to go back and have a listen, but I think they actually say something about we're going we're going to have the conversations that you probably wouldn't get to have on the night. Do you know? Of course, yeah. because on the night you'd be your five minutes of yeah, blah, 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 blah. How many you, kids yeah. do you have? How many whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, and that is the interesting bit about the difference between because I've done the 10-year and the 20-year of the the 10-year not everybody had kids and people still went out yeah. and, and went to nightclubs afterwards and did those yeah. things. <laughs> it was great. Um, you know, and then you have the sadness of there, there's bound to be someone in there that's no longer with, yeah. with us anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, what an absolute gift they are giving the other people. But, and this is the but, because um, my husband did not enjoy um, his private school uh, or boys high school experience and he went to his 10 year and he went solely just to go and tell them to stick it up their jumper because he by the time (laughs) he'd left school and it got to 10 years he'd had some really interesting jobs and travel and he was you know he was very confident with where he was and what he was doing and he just took the mickey out of every you know boy who'd arrived in his dad's car and had been to London for one year you know to work in a bank (laughs) And um, he was because they had made his life quite miserable at school. And he said, I would never send my kids to that school. You know, I never. And so they've kind of, we've had a little hint of it with, I think, the third interview. A woman said at the end she wanted to tell the people that had said something to her to go and get effed. And it was like, oh. And the bit that was fascinating, and this is the bit you and I were talking about, Nikki, is, is just, and we both identified with it, is when um, one of the interviewers says, oh, did I say that? Like, was that me? With genuine fear and trepidation of, yeah, because, oh, gosh. because the person who said it won't remember as much as the person it was said to. Yes, absolutely. So I'll be interested to hear to hear that of when they when they go down the track a, a bit more of people that um, had different experience. So far we've had, you know, 
fantastic reviews. The school would be very happy at this point. Yeah, the school would be thrilled <laughs> at to this point, yes. Especially there's one about so like really supportive grade seven and eight process. Yes. And I was thinking, well, that's an amazing process this, this woman described about how she was suffering um, uh, mental health related issue in the school, how the school approached it. I was like, wow, that's great. awesome. Good, yeah. good work on the school. They yeah. were great. They were great. Um, and all over it. Yeah. When she said she'd gone to see the, um, uh, you know, the therapist and there were a few other girls from school in the same office. <laughs> um, anyway, it's really, I've, I've enjoyed it. I think the girls interviews, listen to me now, I'm calling them the girls as well. I think, um, the two hosts do a fantastic job and they ask just the right questions. And you do, in the beginning, I was thinking, gee, we're getting really off track here, but you don't care because you, no. you want to know. Yeah. No, it's wonderful. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right, Kirstie, well, that's it. No, I will speak to you a little bit later next week because I'm going to be away on this day next uh-huh. week. Okay. And um, and I have to go now because it's my husband's birthday. <gasps> Happy birthday to you. Okay. And I just had to remind him. I said, I'm just going to record, but then I'll be out. And he said, oh, that's okay. I said, Happy birthday. He said, oh, it's my birthday. And he checked the date on his phone. <laughs> we don't make a big fuss here. It's not a big fuss. But anyway, we're going to have a little bit of a fuss in a minute. Lovely. So. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.